0: What I seem to find most of the time is that there is pelvic floor weakness, but kegels aren't necessarily always the answer. Oftentimes, it's teaching them to have mindfulness of what's going on in their pelvic floor, helping to improve the range of motion, just like you would do with somebody's shoulder or knee and then helping to teach coordination. And then once you've accomplished all of that, then you bring in the strengthening component.
1: Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, Mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix.
2: And I'm Lauren Ohayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix. And I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor.
1: Hey friends, Lindsay here. Today's episode, we are joined by Allie Loop, who is a pelvic health physical therapist. And we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is preparing the pelvic floor for birth. This is something that is not talked about enough and it really should be because when we can prepare our body and our pelvic floor for that process, we can minimize that trauma and we can minimize that need for rehab. Yes, we're going to have to recover from the childbirth process, but prehab sets us up to need less rehab or to rehab more easily. So this is an important episode for you to listen to, whether you are a pregnant person, a practitioner, or just a pelvic health nerd. Listen to this episode and let's learn how to prepare the body, how to prepare the pelvic floor, more specifically, for birth, and then things to do during the birthing process itself to help minimize that trauma. So Allie, during her first pregnancy, actually hooked her own pelvic floor up to a machine that measures its activity in a variety of different positions. So she will share with us the data that she found in her own body from that experience, and she just dives really in to what it looks like to really have a responsive pelvic floor during pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Enjoy.
2: Ali Loop is a pelvic health physical therapist. She is currently working at a private practice in Moose Lake, Minnesota, where she sees all types of orthopedic conditions, but she specializes in treating pelvic floor dysfunction, bladder and bowel issues, pelvic pain diagnoses pelvic organ prolapse, and all things related to pregnancy and postpartum. Ali also teaches yoga and finds great value in integrating yoga and mindfulness into her care model. I love that, by the way. She is also a big fan of OSM program, that's our program mm-hmm. and recommends it frequently for her patients and has used the program personally and in her own pregnancies. Yay to you, Allie. Awesome. I love that you live somewhere where you have moose because I'm kind of <laughs> obsessed with them. And um, so that makes me a bigger fan of you. But tell us how you got into uh, pelvic floor tri- like therapy. How did What brought you into it?
0: Sure. So um, I have known for a very long time that I had wanted to be a physical therapist, but I had no idea that the realm of pelvic health existed until I was about halfway through grad school. We had a probably couple day long unit on pelvic health. It was really a quick little introduction to pelvic health. But immediately upon being introduced to it, I knew that it was something I wanted to look into more. I have some little bit of history, personal history, with some pelvic health issues. And so there was um, maybe a personal driver to that, but also to have an opportunity to impact women's quality of life in such a cool way um, was just really intriguing to me. And I think it's just an area that's really underserved. So it's been. Uh, something that I've really enjoyed digging into.
2: And do you find that even though you live somewhere very rural, do you find that there is a, a lot of this population? Because I want to I preface that with people often feel very alone with these conditions and they're not always forthcoming about seeking help, especially I find in places that are a little bit more rural um, so, I mean, you'd said before that Moose Lake is rural I'm, I'm, I'm correct in yes. saying, okay. So are, do you find that there's a, do a lot of people come forward to you with these issues or, um, do you guys have to do a lot of like advertising and marketing to get this population to pay attention? How does that work where you are?
0: Yeah, so I definitely have to do a little bit more marketing and like public education where I'm at Um, prior to living in a rural area. I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is quite populated and Um, I had awesome referral sources that were really good at asking their patients the right questions and sending them over. Um, In a rural area, that's not exactly the same situation. Our providers here um, are great, but they're just general practitioners for the most part. We don't see a ton of specialists. And so it is a little bit harder um, to help get the word out that there is conservative care for pelvic health, and it's in our area. (laughs) Um, the other challenge that I've come across and it's sometimes a challenge and sometimes not as much a challenge, but, uh, you know, living in a small town, everybody knows everybody. So people are a little bit more hesitant to (laughs) open up sometimes, but, um, Mm. that's where just making sure that the patient, uh, or the person that you're communicating with, um, feels that comfortable relationship with me. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but Um, but also it's such a common pelvic health issues or pelvic floor dysfunction is such a common thing that I think people are so relieved when they find that there's help and they're eager to share it with their girlfriends. And that has probably been the, big, the easiest way to spread the word is I'm always encouraging my patients, you know, after they've had a few visits with me, I'm like, so when this conversation comes up, when you're meeting with your other mom friends for coffee or whatever it is, you know, make sure to tell them that there's help. They don't have to suffer from leakage or pain or, you know, whatever the case is.
2: Right. Totally. And do you feel that the pelvic floor, I feel that pelvic floor, physical therapy really exists on a spectrum Mm -hmm. and not all therapists just like yoga teachers come from the same background so I don't know much about your own approach I I, my curiosity is do you have a specific um, approach you take you know some some pelvic floor therapists are all about the kegels and that like pelvic floors are weak and just need more tone and more kegels or do you have a different is there kind of a different approach that you take? towards healing and health?
0: Yes, I would say I definitely take a different approach than that. And I would agree that there is a spectrum of pelvic health therapists. So for me personally, um, you know, everybody's or most people heard of Kegels. And um, of course, that is a component of physical therapy, but it's oftentimes not the emphasis. I am a big fan of understanding what's going on with all of the tissues inside the pelvis. And so one of the things that I think sets... Two types of pelvic floor therapists apart is the pelvic floor therapists who focus on doing an internal assessment and then looking at the whole body um, or maybe vice versa. And then there are some pelvic floor therapists who don't do a ton of internal assessing and treatment. Uh, I definitely am on the internal wavelength. I think that in order to diagnose and treat something effectively, you have to lay your hands on that exact area. if that's where the issue is coming from. Sometimes it's not always coming from an internal aspect. Uh, However, I think internal treatment when it is appropriate, which is not always the case, is really, really valuable. Uh, And then what I seem to find most of the time is that there is pelvic floor weakness but kegels aren't necessarily always the answer. Oftentimes it's teaching them to have mindfulness of what's going on in their pelvic floor, helping to improve the range of motion, just like you would do with somebody's shoulder or knee, and then helping to teach coordination. And then once you've accomplished all of that, then you bring in the strengthening components. So then that's when you integrate kegels and pelvic floor strengthening and all of that kind of stuff. So it does come in, but in my in my practice, typically it's farther down the road.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, do you? That's very interesting. So we see a lot of clients whose pelvic floor is too toned, hypertonic. Yes. Do you see a lot
0: yeah. of that as well? A ton of that. A ton of
1: that. Do you I would see, say, like, most I have a question on time. that. Do you have more during pregnancy? So I'm sure, I'm sure you see people during pregnancy and then postpartum. Do you notice for both of them, where what do you see more often? Do you see too much tone, not enough tone? What's like the patterns that you see most commonly?
0: I would say that I see um, too much tone. Like they're constantly in this gripping state. So sort of like we, you know, when you can see people with um, like upper back and neck and upper trap tension, they're always like tensing their shoulder blades or clenching their jaw. The same thing can happen inside the pelvis where they're constantly gripping their pelvic floor muscles. Um, And I would say I see that in both pregnancy and postpartum when you're pregnant. And I feel this sometimes right now, I think you guys mentioned early on, I'm I'm currently pregnant and I catch myself doing this at times. Um, Because I have all of this extra pressure sitting on uh, my pelvic organs, I catch myself like gripping my pelvic floor or gripping my abdominal muscles and have to remind myself that sometimes that's not necessary. You know, they're supposed to contract when we're doing an activity that requires, you know, combating that intra-abdominal pressure or supporting all those organs. But when we're just at rest, there's no need to be constantly gripping or tensing those muscles. And so, you know, over time when you're doing that, you know, day in and day out, it becomes the new neuromuscular pattern Mm -hmm. and your body learns that as its new normal. So you have to untrain tone or that tension, like you mentioned earlier. And so what's your process for that? Yeah, so, exactly
2: I, what I was yeah. going to say. Because <laughs> there's pelvic floor training for, um, like you said, prolapse and incontinence, but there's also pelvic floor training for birth. And yeah. you know, they, they can be similar, right? Of course, it's like mm-hmm. the same body part. But do you? what do you recommend? Like, how do you, how, what do you recommend for... The training for the
0: birth is specifically in relation to birth I start off with some breathing exercises and because I have both recommended and used the OSM program the breathing exercises that you guys teach are very much in line with what I have taught um I absolutely love them (laughs) um but I start off with breathing because I think it's a way to connect um a movement that they can kind of see and feel with their pelvic floor, which sometimes they don't have as much awareness of or mindfulness of. And of course we know, or you guys know, that um, our, our breathing and our pelvic floor work together. Um, so it's an easy way to sort of engage or, um, inhibit or whatever we're trying to do uh, with the pelvic floor through the breathing pattern. So I start off with breathing exercises typically. Um, depending on where they're at in their pregnancy, I may teach them to do some internal pelvic floor stretching. Um, this is a controversial topic um, in the pelvic PT world because some PTs and some providers, um, like midwives and OBs, don't necessarily want the mom to be doing any internal work during pregnancy. So it just is a case-by-case basis, Um, of course, if they have other things going on. with where their placenta is located or whatever the case is that might be contraindicated, but uh, I may teach the the mom to do internal pelvic floor stretching uh, just like you would stretch other muscles of the body, but because of the bowl shaped of the levator ani or the pelvic floor muscles, um, you have to actually apply pressure with maybe the pad of your thumb or finger, um, kind of in like a clock motion to be able to do some of that stretching. If they have pain, sometimes that's also helpful for desensitizing that area as well. Um, It gives them a little bit more awareness of like what their muscles feel like over the course of time. It takes some time to get used to it. So breathing, um, internal stretching if it's appropriate. Uh, And then I also integrate some different yoga poses because people in general, if they're coming to physical therapy, they want to do something. (laughs) They want to do like an active motion. And so I feel like it's been beneficial to find some different yoga poses or maybe something that's really functional to that person individually to um, kind of hone in on and be able to do some of the breathing and mindfulness exercises in combination with yoga or squats or whatever the case is.
2: Lindsay, I thought there was a question there, so I was giving you a moment. <laughs>
0: but okay, I well, thought I heard you.
2: you coming in on that. So and do you do that, Ali? Do you have like a like a formula, so to speak? So someone comes to you and you show them these these techniques. Do you want them coming back to you every week? Do you want them working on this stuff on their own at home? And when you discuss it with them, how much are you educating because education can be very fear-mongering, right? And I find that, and a lot of first-time moms specifically, I'm assuming that some of these people are second-time moms because first-time moms don't usually.
0: Gosh, I wish they
2: would
1: though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they don't always know. Yeah. (laughs) They don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a tangent,
1: but let's like- a lot of people don't find the PT until they have an issue.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, like is that I, what you're seeing in your practice? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. I would say most of the time, most of my patients are um, like second or multiple time moms. Um, but I, I mean, I do get first time moms and, but it's more common if they've already had Unless they children. have pelvic
1: pain, right? So I might go right. with my first pregnancy if I have pelvic pain, but they, they, you don't even think like, oh, well, maybe I need to do something. So my pelvic floor isn't too tight to yield for childbirth. Like that's not even on our right. right. Well, they
2: do do kegels because sure. they think that that's going to strengthen them. So that's interesting. <laughs> I think the pelvic floor is on their radar, just not in the way that we're thinking about it. We
0: want it to be right. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, I have had a few patients who are first name moms and currently pregnant, but usually they're brought in by a specific thing like pelvic pain or maybe even low back pain or whatever it is. Um, and then I get the opportunity to provide some of that education, um, beyond what they were probably expecting to get on that first visit. Right. Um, so yeah.
1: You know, I think, and that's where I think a lot of birth workers can help, Because if you are working with, say, you're a doula or you're a midwife or you're a chiropractor or whoever you are, and you're working with these first time parents, you have, you know, you have their, they're looking to you for information. I think we should all be telling our clients about, you know, the pelvic floor and how we need to prepare it for the birthing process, especially that first birth. Let's be real.
0: Yes, I think that's one of the things that I love most about what you guys have done with um, One Strong Mama and the OSM program is, is the um, the Facebook community that is there allows a the place for these women to come ask questions. And so often there's, you know, like 10 comments under there that say, go find a pelvic floor PT, go see this person, go see that person. Oh, you're in that area. That's who I saw. And I love that there's that community for women to connect them because most moms don't have that information coming to them so easily. This episode
1: is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the body-ready method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. Yeah, and I have a lot of
2: clients doing um, either OSM or even Restore Your Core who don't have, mm-hmm. who live rural and don't have a pelvic floor provider near them. And so for them, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this online program that's very corn pelvic floor savvy. You were saying before, though, that you feel like the internal work is so important. Do you feel like the internal work is so important that it can't be replaced? Like, if somebody is so rural, now what? Like, what's your recommendation? People are very rural. They're having, yeah, they need the internal work, but it's not near them. What do you recommend?
0: So interestingly enough, being in that, that we're in this current, like, you know, COVID pandemic season, um, I have been doing a lot of telehealth and, um, it's, it's a different experience, but I just, it's very heavy on the education. And describing to the patient, okay, this is what I want you to try. And it's a little more trial and error. If they're comfortable doing like an internal assessment on themselves, I might walk them through it. Not on Telehealth um, because there's some issues there, of course, but i will I'll give them a very descriptive like um, instruction on like this is what I want you to try, this is what you're looking for and th- and if you find you know pain or tenderness or something that's more than pressure, I want you to like focus in this area or whatever the case is um, so it definitely has been different to provide treatment through telehealth or without that like pt hands on or provider hands on experience um but i think it's really it's something that y- you're able to still teach people um through instruction and it gives them some independence and i think it's really a, a good thing for women to yeah. know what's going on down there because so many women have no idea <laughs> it's this black hole <laughs> yeah so Um, especially the
1: Midwest, let's be real. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like Lauren's like Miami, New York, like people are a lot, I feel like a lot more open and free, but here in the Midwest, like you tell someone to look down there (laughs) (laughs) or sigh loudly in a yoga class and they're like, what are you talking about? So I think it's it's great that you are doing what you're doing.
0: I would say that my education And like the way in which I deliver my information has had to shift from when I was down south versus now that I'm up in the Midwest, especially (laughs) in a rural area where everybody is like. Stoic and Scandinavian.
2: <laughs> yeah, Minnesota is really interesting. I always love visiting because it's like an anthropological experience. experience well, the same with Miami. I'm like, why is
1: everyone hugging me? <laughs> like, so maybe funny. not now. Maybe we're just elbow bumping now. I don't know. Um, That's right. But what I want to I want to ask you because you said that you explored some different birth positions yourself. And you looked at what was going on with your pelvic floor. I want to hear about that experience because I think that we don't always think, and especially people that are going to the burst, we don't always think about what's going on in different positions with the pelvic floor.
0: So tell us about it. This is one of my absolute favorite things to talk about. So about four years ago when I was pregnant with my first daughter, um, I was living down south at the time. I had a good friend who was also a pelvic floor PT, and I called her up and I said, hey, I want to know what's going on with my pelvic floor in all these different positions. So I went over to her office and um, she hooked me up to a surface EMG so that we could see muscle activity on a computer screen of what my pelvic floor was doing when I was in all these different positions. So we hooked up, we were both able to see the screen and I started off, you know, on my back with my knees bent. And then from there moved into all of the things that you would think of for maybe laboring and delivering in the Um, So I moved to side lying. I tested side lying on each side. She had me do some different breathing techniques where I was trying to maybe bear down in some positions. Um, Sometimes she had me um, just trying to like remain in like a neutral position for pelvic floor activity or whatever the case was. But I I had this little protocol that I went through um, in each of these positions, Uh, tall kneeling, squatting, Uh, having my, having my, um, like upper body supported. So she kind of stood behind me and I like sank into her arms, you know, tons and tons of different positions. We probably did like 25 different positions and we wrote down the data from all of that and figured out the, the three positions in which my pelvic floor muscles were able to be most at rest and where I had the best like natural bear down response. So what was going to be the best position for my body to push out a baby? Potentially anything can happen during birth. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, to give me an idea of like, okay, these are the things that maybe I should really hone in on when I'm, um, going through that foot pushing phase. And so I don't remember the top three, but I do remember the, the position I was most that rest in was left sideline, which surprised me. I really thought it was going to be quadruped Mm. because leading up to that point, like that was the position I just always wanted to be in whenever I was like uncomfortable or sore. Um, But left sideline was what the um, surface EMG showed to be my most relaxed and natural state. So fast forward to um, giving birth, That was actually the position I ended up birthing in. Uh, We started there. We tried a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) And uh, eventually, I ended up back in that left sideline position. And that was was how I gave birth. So it was super, super Mm. cool to be able to kind of like do a little bit of research beforehand and then see the results. Um, I did not have any tearing on my first birth. Now, I think part of that is just luck because, you know, it's your first baby. (laughs) Um, But of course, you know, I had good coaching from my midwife and my doula. I had the knowledge that I have about the pelvic floor. I had that left side lying position. Um, And so I think that there were some good things working towards that. So not to say that it's going to guarantee you not to tear, but.
2: (laughs) So did you at all try to see if that was like something you could connect to in a mind body kind of way? So like on your left side, besides getting feedback from the machine, what was there any way of you sensing and feeling that? Did you go back through all the other positions and see if anything felt different in those positions to the side lying one? in your pelvic floor
0: yeah um and it did i just i was i was able to better able to like breathe into my pelvis in a left sideline position
2: um, and you could feel that also i could like, feel that yes besides what the machine was telling you yes.
1: what positions did you find were not helpful for you or that you had a hard time with
0: um, squatting. Ha, was, I was about to say squatting. <laughs> I was saying, I, was, I think the one that was like my pelvic floor tone was the highest. Yeah, um, that makes a I,
1: lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, let's be real. Your pelvic floor needs to work in a squat to support yes. you. However, see people always think it's weird when I say like, eh, squatting isn't my favorite for second stage there's a time and a place for it for sure but it can be too much like it can cause i do see you know i don't know about the studies or research but i personally do see higher tearing and more issues with people who are you know giving birth in that squatting position you know sometimes you could be in the squat for a couple contractions and then move to a side lying or a kneeling or something
0: but Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, you have gravity working for you for sure. But, um, but then like you said, your pelvic floor has to support you in that position. It's one of your core muscles. And so without having really, really clear, um, mindfulness of what your pelvic floor is doing and the ability to have that mindfulness while you're in labor, (laughs) uh, I think it makes it challenging yeah I can mean, think...
2: also think about if you were to put a ten pound weight in someone's arm go you know hold it onto it with your hand, and then ask someone to just let the weight fall down they would the natural reaction for the body, gravity or not, is to resist the pull of gravity uh-huh. right yeah. so we naturally resist that's why when you put a bag on someone's shoulder, they don't actually and like on just one shoulder the thought is that you lean into that. It's actually not true. If you hold your bag on your left shoulder, you're more likely to have your left shoulder be higher than your right shoulder because we pull away, we resist gravity all the time. That's what we're designed to do is to resist gravity so that we're not face planted all of the time. And so in a squat, yes, gravity, but our bodies are designed to resist gravity. So- But then
1: comes the contraction and the mm -hmm. uterus pushing a baby out. And I think that's why it's really important that we train our mind for that process. You know, people talk about, like, well, you know, we talk about all the body things we do to prepare, but you can't separate the body from the mind. If we are going into that process and you feel that really strong sensation, most of our natural tendencies is to resist. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we clench up, we resist. So we have to train our brain to do the opposite. This is really strong. So I'm sinking and, you know, letting my muscles be completely relaxed. It's, it definitely takes some training. Yes.
2: Do you think there's a, I'm going to switch uh, mm-hmm. topics for a minute. So I just had someone email me and tell me she was feeling very discouraged because she was doing our program and she's um, about 25 weeks pregnant and she's still leaking pee every time she sneezes and that overall she feels like she's getting stronger and all of the good stuff, but that that one thing is just not improving. And I know what my response to her was, but I'm curious how you respond to that
0: right away I my thought goes to what are her what's her pelvic floor doing when she's sneezing and is she really in um, does she have pelvic floor tension basically so you can have you can, everything else can be working well, but then if you have that increased tone in the pelvic floor and then have that sudden increased intra-abdominal pressure, um, of course there's going to be some leakage with that. And then add a baby on top of that too, mm-hmm. so it makes yeah. it a little bit more likely. <laughs> so yeah, I think that my, my first thought is, okay, she she might be doing everything really, really well in terms of the program, but if she has that underlying tension that was maybe learned you know, years leading up to this point, there's still going to be increased risk for leakage with sneezing, especially when you're pregnant. Do you? So she you, should probably come see you in person. <laughs> if that possible. would be somebody who I would say she's a perfect candidate for pelvic floor therapy. And because she's already doing OSM and has a good, um, like, baseline of some of the breathing techniques and all that, she probably wouldn't be very challenging to treat and may see results faster (laughs) than maybe the average person because she's got a good base knowledge but yeah she'd be a good candidate for pelvic floor pt
2: can she self-treat with the remote distance self-treatment options that somebody offers you know do you think that's also
0: yeah i mean uh, being a pt who is very hands-on oriented um you know, obviously, I'm always gonna encourage somebody if they have the option to be in person with the PT that that's the best thing. But in a scenario like this, where we have all this other health stuff going on, and maybe if she's in a rural area or doesn't have access to PT or her insurance is wonky or something, um, absolutely, I think that with with being educated um, in the right manner by somebody like a pelvic health PT um, or even one of y'all, um, I think that there there's absolutely the ability for her to to see some improvements by self-treating
2: do, do you think it's ever quote-unquote normal to be pregnant and sneeze and leak pee or is that always a red flag
0: oh that's a hard question <laughs> <laughs> Right. I
2: feel, it's interesting. I will tell you what I think. I've pivoted a lot. I mean, I know we're in- interviewing you, but I see this more as a conversation. Yeah. I, no, I've pivoted a lot. I used to be very hardcore, like that's not okay. And leaking pee is not normal and it's common, but not necessarily normal. And my pivot now is just a little bit more grace. I think that yes. it just also depends on who are we talking about? Like somebody who's doing OSM and doing all the work and trying, like trying really hard, then sometimes results don't happen overnight. And it's not about seeing, getting the check in the box, but more about just knowing you're on the right path and doing the right things for your body and giving yourself grace. I'm, I'm curious about, that's kind of my current approach.
0: I, think. I couldn't agree more with that. And I, I've i had this same kind of thought process where as a new provider, I was like, not normal, not normal. Common, but not normal. Mm-hmm, and yeah. as I have, you know, been practicing longer and seen more cases and talked to more moms, when you, with pregnancy it adds this whole other component to your biomechanics um, that your body is rapidly trying to adjust to. That you know, mm-hmm. is it is it normal? Okay, no. But there is that grace component of like, we're not going to obsess over, you know, some smaller symptoms if you're actively working towards, you know, making sure that, that it's not going to become a bigger, longer term problem. So what you you said, (laughs) I, I,
1: you know, when my fourth pregnancy, I remember thinking like, this is what I do for a living. Like I should not have any pain. Like everything should be perfect. And Mm -hmm. I had, (laughs) Kinda, my <laughs> husband had tucked me down because I had SI pain on my right side, and you know I can trace that back to how I was using my body in sports in high school. And you know we use our body the same way for how many years, and then we expect to, you know, do OSM or PT or whatever, and instantly fix it when it has developed over thirty years, you know. So it's Absolutely. It takes a long
0: time sometimes.
1: Exactly. And I think
0: there's something I want to tag onto that. This is kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but you said that you've got a lot of listeners who are um, like birth workers and yeah. providers. Um, and this is important, I think, for all women to know that even though we, even though we work in this field and we're supposed to be quote unquote, the expert in all this, there we have to give ourselves grace too and I had the same experience or not the same but a similar experience with my first pregnancy I thought I'm gonna be this like great example of like um you know somebody who's not gonna have any of these symptoms and I was prior to my pregnancy um training for a half marathon and I said I'm gonna just continue to like keep up my running distance I'm not gonna have any problems and of course four months hit and I had super bad, uh, pubic (laughs) symphysis discomfort. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to see urinary urgency and I thought, I can't have this because I'm the expert and you, (laughs) there has to be grace. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it's kind of funny because looking back when I first got pregnant, um, somebody asked me like, Oh, do you have a pregnancy goal? And I said, yeah, it's to learn something that I wouldn't learn from a course or a textbook that I can teach my patients. And ultimately that has been grace. That's good. Right.
2: It's so important. I think also I talk about this a lot personally, but a lot of us have been really trained, like pain and injury is so stigmatized by our community and we're seen to be flawed, deeply flawed when there's some sort of a mishap in the system as opposed to re like let's let's rewrite that whole story there's no mishap pain is okay dysfunction is okay like it's a part of the human experience what we do with it is where the interesting magic happens Mm -hmm. but i think that we serve our clients better also when we stop seeing them as problems that need to be solved Right. and more as let's just help them find a different way of moving, new pathways, new experiences, right? We, I feel like physical therapy and yoga and Pilates, all the worlds we come from, they're very focused on fixing people. And that's very focused on seeing where people are broken too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because people who come to let you, Ali, I'm sure with prolapse, one of the most devastating Uh, things that people report to me that have happened to them. And uh, as providers, I mean, how do you, as I know as providers, Lindsay and I try to be very encouraging. Uh, I'm curious, have you seen great, uh, I've seen great outcomes with prolapse, people who were told they'd never this and they'd never that. What what has your experience been?
0: Yeah, I think that I have, I've seen a wide variety of outcomes. I've seen some really great outcomes and I've seen some outcomes where it's like, okay, this isn't what we were hoping for. Mm -hmm. So let's try to make the most of it. How can we still have help you have improved quality of life? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's a wide variety and yeah, prolapses is is one of those challenging things. Um, I will say kind of on the note of what we were talking about earlier with pelvic floor tension, I think there's a lot more research that's coming out. More recently, that talks about how so many people who are experiencing prolapse have this increased tone, but it seems Mm -hmm. like an oxymoron because people think, Well, if I have a quote unquote tight pelvic floor, then why are my organs (laughs) falling down? Yeah, everyone, Um,
1: the whole thing is like tight vagina. I want a tight vagina, you know,
0: (laughs) right? Right, that's not. I
2: have, um, I have a lot of clients who have their tampons or cups falling out too and when that happens it makes a lot of sense to them why their tight pelvic floor muscles are pushing the tampons out but when it's their organ Mm. it always seems to them to not make do you see what i'm saying like it's it's very
0: interesting
2: yeah somehow when it's their own body um it it it's just harder to grasp that concept. That tension can push things. Like just because something's falling out of place doesn't necessarily mean it's because there's this muscle that's too weak, not holding it in place. And that's part of. I think. Don't you think? Or what do you think about <laughs> the fact that we compare body? Like I think part of it is we spend way too much time comparing our bodies to a machine where I think our bodies are a lot more like this kind of tensegrity model as opposed to a machine. Like, yeah, if you're a machine, then maybe it's not strong enough.
0: I'm sorry. I have to pause for a second because my first child just walked in. (laughs) The perfect child who never interrupts you is interrupting us. (laughs) I need you to, I'll, I'll come out in just a minute. Okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Oh gosh, it's okay.
1: Are
2: you kidding? I have three kids. Lindsay has four. This is like story of our life. Yeah.
1: You can't put yours on Fortnite. Mine's playing Fortnite right now. So <laughs> okay, I, now I was five. doing
2: a Zoom before and the Zoom cut out, but then like we lost Wi-Fi and I was literally having a fit on my father and my family. And the Zoom came back on in front of 39 oh my of my God. students. There I was screaming like a wild woman about the Wi-Fi situation.
0: (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, that's really embarrassing. (laughs) We
2: can wrap up our talk soon. Basically, I don't even- So
0: yeah, recap your question and then I'll answer.
2: My question was more of a comment and I was curious what your perspective is. But I think along the lines of thinking of the pelvic floor being too weak, and therefore, we need Kegels. It also goes hand in hand with people comparing our bodies to a machine. And yes. that if I'm more about the tensegrity model, that like the whole body works together to form this, like, right, beautiful system, as opposed to where a bunch of like levers and joints, and you need to tighten that up, right? That's a very machine analogy. So, I was curious, you know, where you stand on that spectrum.
0: No, I think that I, I agree that we are, that people think about their bodies like a machine and, and that's where some of those words like fix and broken Mm -hmm. um, can become really problematic. Uh, But I would agree it's, even though everything is working together, um, that's the thing that everything really is truly connected and working together. And so sometimes it's more like, you know, a sheet of fabric versus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus this, machine with all of these individual little parts you can't just fix one part and then expect everything to be good it's it's kind of bringing everything together to work together a chain reaction
2: amazing is there one parting piece of advice that you would give to anyone a lot of our audience are people working with birthing people and they might not have all of the pelvic floor training. And so, do you have any parting advice to anyone working with birthing moms, kind of, or birthing people? Or pregnant. Yeah. pregnant people is a better way of saying that. So, do you have advice for pregnant people around, you know, pelvic floor stuff?
1: Yeah, like how, how could they, if you're a doula or a midwife, like what advice would you want them to give to their? Pregnant person about their pelvic floor?
0: I would say that I would want them to encourage them that even if they're experiencing some symptoms, whether it's leakage or pain or, you know, prolapse, constipation, whatever, that to encourage them that these things are really common and that they're not alone. Because since it is somewhat a taboo topic in some Mm -hmm. places like Midwest (laughs) more than others. um, Women feel so alone. Like it's, it's the part of pregnancy and birth and postpartum that's least talked about. And when it is talked about, it's sometimes talked about in like a joking manner. And so to just have the more birth workers and providers that we can have encouraging these women that You know, these symptoms are common, but they're not things that you need to suffer from forever. And oftentimes they can be um, managed in a conservative way. They don't need to be scared of having, you know, it doesn't mean they need to have a hysterectomy or surgery or a sling or anything like that. Um, Obviously, there's a time and a place for surgical intervention, but it is very it's not often the, the place, mm-hmm. the go-to. Uh, it shouldn't I love that, be know, I I so love yeah, that
1: because so we don't, it. we don't like feel embarrassed about hurting our knee, or right. our shoulder, but for some reason it's the pelvic floor and it's so, we feel so ashamed. Mm-hmm. I love
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. I think women just, they need to, they need to know that they're not alone and that there's hope. That's one question I always ask my patients. maybe I shouldn't ask them this, but or or i I kind of make this suggestion at the end of our first visit, as I always say, I hope that you leave here just feeling a little bit of hope that you don't need to suffer from this forever, that there's conservative management of it. Mm-hmm. So good. yeah, I think that's so important because also the non
2: conservative side is rife with issues, and I'm not against it, but
1: no yeah.
2: There's, you know, so it's important. I think that I think that pelvic floor therapy is becoming a much richer, more known subspecialty. Yes, getting a lot more attention, and people are talking about it in a much more intelligent, three-dimensional way now. (laughs) Um, And I think that's so important. So I'm so happy that you're contributing to that conversation, and you know, living somewhere that you know your people have access to you because so many of the therapists I know live in a big city. So it's nice Mm -hmm. that you know that you're serving a a smaller community. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Is there um is there anywhere people can find you? Do you do you use Instagram? Do you post? Are you out there on that level? Yes.
0: Yes. So um I am all over social media. um, I I run my clinic social media page, which is Lake Area Therapy Services. So, of course, I post about everything, but I do post a lot about pelvic health uh, Mm. on there. And then I also, we're on Instagram as well, Lake Area Therapy Services. And then I'm on social media just personally as well. And I do a lot of, like, women's health advocacy on my personal Facebook page. So, and that's just Allie Loop, A L L Y L -L 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 O U P E. Perfect. So, awesome. Yeah.
2: This was great talking to you. Thank you so much for the nuggets and the wisdom. And I love, I love talking to people who are positive about, <laughs> um, you know, like advocates for birth and advocates for, for women and for birthing people. I think it's so important. So thank mm-hmm. you.
0: Absolutely. And thank you guys. And thanks for the awesome program because I'm loving it right now. I love when
1: PTs, <laughs> I love it. I love it when PTs do our program. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, it is so great. We, yeah, I can't wait to, can't wait to talk to you in like five months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Hopefully, Are we'll you going to birth news. on
2: your side again? Is that the plan?
0: So yeah, far? well, I do plan on hooking myself back up to surface EMG to see mm. if those positions have changed because, um, my, just my, like, I, when I did that, I was more of a runner and I've really gotten a lot more into yoga. Um, and so I'm curious to know if maybe with my background with yoga, if that's changed how my body works. So yeah, I'm curious to know too now. (laughs) Yeah, you have to do like
1: different, you'll have to do Valsalva. You'll have to do, you know, different things in each position and just like, yes take all the notes love it (laughs) totally well
2: thanks ladies thank you so much thank you all for listening to the one strong mama podcast for birth professionals if you haven't already please leave us a rating and a review we really do appreciate all of the support if you are a birth worker with an inspiring client or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmama prenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time.
1: This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.